Phil, that was uh, Vikram. And I'll tell you, one of the things I really love about doing this show is we get to meet some amazingly interesting people. Here's a guy that just came back from Nepal and India filming sacred art and uh, very knowledgeable, starts the Sutra Journal, which is a fabulous online magazine. And like you said, aside from the content being excellent, visually, uh, it's stunning. I mean, the, yeah. the, uh, the sacred art uh, from, from Asia that you see on it is just absolutely mind-boggling. So highly recommend our listeners uh, check that out at sutrajournal.com. Uh, what was your take on it? Well, you know, um, I was very happy we were able to get uh, Vic on the show, um, or at least record the show, uh, soon after he got back from his trip, uh, while it's still fresh in his mind, because uh, I know uh, it was a very eventful trip, and I'm sure the film will be stunning. Um, so I was very happy to, uh, to, to hear about it, and I want to recommend to our listeners that um, our interview with Debashish Banerjee is a good companion piece for 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 this one. So if they if they found the discussion of Asian art uh, and sacred art of interest, they should also listen to Debashish, mm-hmm. um, who accompanied Vic on part of of their trip. I, I I love this kind of thing because I think the arts are an undervalued and underappreciated. Um, sort of doorway into spirituality. I mean, people, I think, appreciate the the um, power of sacred music uh, more and more, perhaps. And there's, you know, every every religious tradition has sacred music, but the visual arts are are powerful as well. And their original use and their use in sacred context. Um, should be appreciated more because I think, as Vikram said, here in the West we we get to take these works of art and we display them as you know aesthetic and sort of anthropological objects, but they're meant to evoke experience mm-hmm. uh, of a deep nature. Right, right. I mean, whether you're going into a Hindu temple or seeing some uh, you know, large Buddha, uh, like I did in Thailand, or you know, you walk into St. Peter's Basilica in Rome, and, uh, you know, spiritually you're enlivened. Something changes in your yeah. physiology. Uh, something awakens uh, in many, many people very deep inside. And like I was, we were discussing in the interview, I think people intuitively know something has happened to them. Uh, and some people who have no sort of background intellectually, academically in, in spirituality may even be confused by it. And then spend a lot of time. What was that? And, and I think it's yeah. the power of the art and the artist. And it's it. I have to think, and I'd like to hear your thoughts on this, Phil. Uh, a lot of it has to do with not only the skill of the artist, but the consciousness of the artist uh, going into his or her art, and then uh, the people being affected directly by the the uh, the the shakti, the energy coming out of that artist through their art. Yeah. Yeah, I, 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 we didn't. We should have asked Vic his take on that. But I'm guessing that in the traditional um, uh, forms of sacred art, the 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 families whose uh, tradition is uh, is to uphold these arts and pass it on to their children, that there's a spiritual component and an element of spiritual practice. 
and uh, if nothing else, uh, a devotional quality where they're very aware of the sanctity of what they're doing, and they they would probably uh, perform some kind of uh, ritual that evokes a deep uh, sense of inner experience and selflessness and egolessness, whether they meditate or do yoga or mm-hmm. do a, a, a puja or a prayer or any of that, I'll bet that that's uh, an, a part of preparation for doing the work. Right, right. I've seen, you know, I haven't <laughs> seen much of it as, as Vikram has, but I'll bet if he, he was uh, filming in places where artisans are doing this kind of thing, I hope um, he caught some of that. Because I've, I've seen the, the level of concentration and, um, you know, when anybody is doing something creative or that, that absorbs them, there's this feeling of, you know, what psychologists call flow and being lost to, to time and space and um, forgetting all uh, the environment and your own bodily needs. There's just this sense of oneness with the process, and, and I'll bet there are ways to cultivate that. And the more that's in there, probably the more powerful the art. Right, right. I, I think it's exactly, you know, like you said, getting in the zone. And you hear about it uh, in art, in music, in, in uh, every aspect of art, in sports. In, in physical movement, right. uh, where uh, people uh, get attuned to that cosmic flow, or whatever we want to call it, and it just flows and it comes out right. I've heard many, many jazz musicians talk about it, classical musicians, uh, and, and it's certainly, in, like you said, in the visual arts, and there must be ways, and I'm sure there are ways, uh, where one can uh, cultivate that through meditation, yeah. through yoga, through uh, certain types of uh, readings, even of scripture or whatever, and I think the great artists all have uh, either uh, techniques of that type that have been given to them uh, by others or that they've developed intuitively themselves uh, that allow them to uh, get into that zone. It's, yeah. it's absolutely fascinating. Or they're just, they just spontaneously come right. into that in the process of doing the work that means so much to them, whether they're conscious of it or not. And their best work probably comes when those... St- uh, states of consciousness um, are present, whether they're deliberately invoked or they, it's just a matter of uh, spontaneous um, circumstance. Right. I, I remember uh, reading the book, The Agony and the Ecstasy. The, you know, mm. it, was, uh, it, it was a somewhat uh, historic, fictionalized life of Michelangelo, but a lot of research was done by the author. And he talks about being in the Sistine Chapel and some of the works he did being incredibly physically uncomfortable, but sort of transcending all of that and being able to yeah. go for hours and hours because he was in that, that, other, that other state, in, in that zone. And certainly mm-hmm. in, in, in the art of uh, South Asia that uh, Vikram uh, will be documenting in his film that's coming out, uh, there is that where, where the artist reaches points where it's timeless, where whether it's working an hour, two hours, three hours, I'm sure that artist is sometimes unaware of the passage yeah. of time. They're just absorbed very deeply on a very deep spiritual level to what they're doing. And I would say um, the person who partakes of the art, 
whether it's in a museum or in a temple mm-hmm. or in, in their own home, uh, the more they bring that same consciousness to the experience of the art, whether it's observing a visual work of art or listening to a musical work, um, then the more likely the state of consciousness that the artist had will be duplicated in the in the uh, observer or the listener. Mm-hmm. Um, I know when I you know I love going to art museums, and sometimes you're just seeing nice pictures, mm-hmm. and other times it's it's it can be a transcendent experience if you really get absorbed in something that resonates with you uh, on a deep level, and you're, if you're lucky enough to be in a in a place where there's a, a work of such surpassing beauty that it it just elevates your consciousness and and you know you lose sense of uh, individual self and you sort of merge with the object and and you it's a transcendent kind of feeling yeah. um it, it's harder to have these days to be honest i was at a museum not long ago and you know the people were just all posing for selfies in front oh, of no, the it's it's car. unbelievable that they let people <laughs> people are holding up their not only their cameras and their iPhones but their iPads and their computers and snapping pictures and stand <laughs> doing selfies with with, uh, with with Monet's and it's it's absolutely uh, bizarre and they're running from room to room and so uh, I think part of the, the the procedure these days is to really transcend what's go- the chaos and craziness that's going on there. And it can be pretty chaotic and crazy in, in Indian temples. Uh, and and uh, like he said, you just go with the flow and then uh, hopefully can still capture uh, the depth of, yeah. of what, what's and, going And the here. thing about Indian temples that's different from churches and places like that in the West um, is the level of what seems to be disorder. Mm-hmm. There's a million things going on at the same time. It's not like everybody goes mm-hmm. into the temple for at a certain time, at a certain place, for certain and communal experiences. Some of that, but there's altars everywhere and shrines everywhere, and people doing things at different places and within these vast cavernous temples. And some people are drawn to this deity, and some people are drawn to that deity, and some people are chanting in front of this altar, and some people are doing uh, puja somewhere else. But it, if you just step back and watch it and, and observe it, it somehow becomes orderly in your mind. And it's all like watching, a, like looking at a Jackson Pollock or painting or something that looks chaotic, but it's not. <laughs> Right, no, exactly. It's like that I mean, in an Indian temple. Right, and whether it's uh, uh, the art is impressionistic, whether it's abstract, whether it's concrete and representational, uh, all different types of art forms, but they can all have the same effect. Well, anyway, uh, great interview. Uh, really enjoyed having him on. And again, uh, we look forward to uh, seeing his documentary. And uh, for those listening in, Check out Sutra Journal at sutrajournal.com. Till okay. next time. Okay. Next time, Dennis. All right.